Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I had to I had to make sure I logged on early because I always forget my Skype password and they never remember it for you. So no, they do I uh they really don't. There's a witch in Snapdragon's town. At least that's the way the rumor goes. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 569. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm welcoming Kat Lay, cartoonist of Snapdragon, as well as co-writer and cover artist for the comic book series Lumberjanes. Kat's solo debut is about a girl named Snap, an old lady named Jax, who might actually be a witch, and a favor that turns into something of an apprenticeship. Snapdragon is a kid who's not afraid to question or explore an ominous setting or situation, being a bit of an outcast herself. Her curiosity leads to a kind of compassion and affinity toward those lucky few in her life, and I think, after reading Snapdragon, you'll know just how lucky it would be to be friends with someone like Snap. A mystery of magic and a familial connection pervades throughout this graphic novel, but you'll have to read the book to find out more about that. Enjoy! Please welcome my guest, Kat Lay, cartoonist of Snapdragon. My name is Kat Lay, uh, she, her. I have been writing and drawing comics now for, uh, I guess if I went back to like the first comic I ever drew, it's been about 10 years now. I've been doing it professionally for about uh, five or six years, and my uh, my graphic novel Snapdragon just came out just came out yesterday. Congratulations! Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you have a book in the world. I do. How does that feel? Is it like a little surreal? Oh, it it, it feels like it's been a, a gradual path here because I've been working on Lumberjanes for about five years now. I was going to say, it's been some time, sure. 
Yeah. And I, before that I had um, a couple books that I had out with Yeti press, which is, which was a, a small micro publisher who is now defunct because it's creators went on to do other things. Um, and that was, that was kind of like uh, almost, almost like self publishing. So this feels very legitimate, which is nice and very real, <laughs> which is exciting. It's on Amazon. It has an ISBN number, things like that. That's all new to me. So. I love that. You're really checking off the boxes. This is great, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were arcs. It's got my name on the spine. It's got an ISBN. <laughs> like, yeah, no, legit, for real. I mean, let's just casually throw out there that you worked on this little comic called Lumberjanes that all of us know you and the others from, but no big deal. I've got an ISBN now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for Lumberjanes because I don't like to self-promote. I uh, So that's been really nice that I've been able to work on that book. I can just kind of, I can mention that I work on Lumberjanes and then people people recognize that name and then I don't have to talk anymore, which is nice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got this graphic novel Snapdragon that is, as you said, uh, newly out in the world as of recording this. And um, it's an awesome comic and I have a lot to ask you about. There's so much we can go into and I, I'm, my brain oh, is great. already rattling into like, how do I focus? Because I, I love the way you draw, Kat. I love the way that um, you draw people and that you bring people into relationships and that you you have this great blend of sort of like realist. It, it, it's sort of the, how do I even say this, out of full love, this sort of uh, who frame Roger Rabbit moments of like, we're animated <laughs> people and this is a normal thing and look how human we look. And then suddenly our eyes bulge out of our head. Um, <laughs> it's it's It's... It's that level of um, I don't even the abstraction or something that it's just yeah, yeah. sweet and sincere. I just I like it. I like that um, that this is your voice uh, to you know to be reading Lumberjanes to know those stories and to know that there's there's been a bunch of people working on them. It's cool to know that that there's a lot of thumbprints on it, but to know that this is your voice uniquely is really it's really great yeah that's that's uh one of the things that i like about it too because either either pass or fail snapdragon is all me like i like any problems with it or any any good things about it anything about it i i pretty much it's you know i i did everything on it <laughs> i want to dig Other into the editing so <laughs> <laughs> i want to dig into how this book is all you all the way down to the idea level. But first, for those that haven't encountered this book, because it's a day old, would you mind sharing a book talk of the story? Yeah, good question. I have such a hard time describing my own stories, but it is about a, a young girl named Snapdragon. And she goes to... Um, have a have a confrontation with her her town's local witch and I say that with air quotes because it's just this weird old woman in her town that everyone calls a witch because she's a loner and no one really knows her and people say that she eats pets and snaps dog is missing so she goes to confront this woman and she ends up meeting her and 
spoilers, finding her dog, who's alive and well. <laughs> and from this encounter, she ends up forming a relationship with this woman and helping her with the work that she does, which is collecting roadkill from the side of the road and and then articulating the skeletons, which which means taking loose bones and then reforming them into a, a skeleton of the creature and, and selling those. It's what this old woman does for a job. And through this process, she learns a lot about her family and she learns about um, this woman who may or may not actually be a witch. And, uh, and, and it goes from there. I, I think I'm going to go as deep into the plot as you did, especially cause it's a day old and I wouldn't dare share too much with my readers but also by looking at the cover, there's there's a lot to sort of guess at or wonder at. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I I love how quickly you bring us into 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 Snap's family past, into this this woman, this <laughs> supposed witch woman's past into the relationship that snap has with her best friend i think that there's there's so much here about what it means to to understand someone to really understand someone um to passionately understand someone and and what it means to be in relationship with others that that i think you communicate how how that's that's sort of how how we come of age is by finding the right relationships that will show us who we are by proving who we are to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. She, she definitely has a couple moments that I think a lot of young people have where they realize that the adults in their life are also people. That's like... That's uh, a great way to put it. The adults in your life are yeah. also people. <laughs> Yeah, which is definitely a moment she has with uh, with Jax, the older the older woman. The Jax has a really rad history because we the first thing we first time we meet Jax in in Jax's past is like riding on a motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> um, I have uh, dog eared a number of pages, which I know is like great to be able to try to read aloud from a comic on a on an audio <laughs> interview but um <laughs> there's just some there's some really uh fun i think playing that you do with um gender identity and and gender norms and and uh, the first hints we get of that I mean, I don't know. It's sort of all over, I suppose, now that I'm saying that. But but one of the most sincere <laughs> moments, I think, what do, what do I know? I loved every page of your book, and I blend it all together. Oh, <laughs> but for for this story where we meet Jack's racing motorcycles and saying, um, do I, I should say, without being presumptuous, Kat, can I read to you? Yes, go okay? cool. All right. So um, we are... Um, hearing the story of Jack's meeting, meeting someone in Snap's life. And it reads, uh, we weren't a picky bunch. The where and the who didn't matter 
all that much. The track was whatever stretch of dirt we could find that was long enough. And heck, anyone fool enough to participate was welcome. They didn't much mind a woman racing with them. Weren't crazy about us winning, though. But I was tall, gangly, covered in dirt, and I didn't much talk. I didn't talk much. Everyone just assumed I was a fella. You've got this great image when Jax takes off her uh, helmet and goggles, and the mud that is caked on her face just looks like uh, <laughs> like stubble, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she just has a mask of dirt on, um, her, on her face. Oh, yeah. It continues, everyone except... Looks like you got uh, mucked around, honey. Yeah. On your cheek right here, and here is this uh, woman beckoning, and we have this really sweet exchange of uh well of jack saying uh thank you ma'am but i'm not i'm i'm actually a wolf and she says makes no difference to me i stand by what i said in that um i could tell you were a handsome one is what she had said i just feel like this i mean let's jump into it this this um showing showing affection and flirtation for for any individual. I'm not trying to make this all about like, and isn't this monumental cat that you have two <laughs> women who are talking to each other? Like, let's not be silly. Um, the sincerity that you show, the realness that you show of Jax being a little nervous because she does run with the boys a lot. And she does have a shorter haircut that might make her with when she's all mucked up in mud might uh, make her be mistaken for a man and and by that interaction we I'm led as a reader to assume that like this might have been a mistake that's happened before where uh, an individual a woman mistakes her for being a man and then perhaps gets really upset there is some sort of a conflict when um, when the woman finds out that Jax is indeed a woman as well but to have this sweet disarming moment of you heard what I said. I said you were handsome. Uh, yeah. And just letting that be that, uh, I think, communicates uh, to readers that... Uh, I think it communicates to readers what they're about to get in this story. Yeah. there. I, I was trying to do something very... pretty specific with Jax's past and her relationship with this other woman. Um, I... I didn't want to paint some picture where homophobia and racism doesn't exist necessarily, but I also know that most stories that we get about queer people in general are tragedies. There there are a lot of reasons for this, like cultural reasons why the stories that we get fed about queer people are tragedies. Um, we We didn't have the ability to write authentic stories about ourselves for up, up until pretty recently because publishers wouldn't publish it unless it ended tragically, things like this. And so, and for another reason, there's a lot of uh, history that queer people lose because it doesn't get passed on by elders in our community. And so I have read a lot of biographies, autobiographies, mostly small stories. There was, there was a whole book that I read in college that was just a collection of 
autobiographies about women who were who were uh, identified as lesbians and were never in a relationship with men. And this would have been in like the 1800s. So there were all these stories about women who just lived their lives. Sometimes they raised families with their partners and they didn't really have super exciting um, tragedy filled lives. There were authentically people that just lived their whole lives and were were queer and they they didn't die horribly or they didn't um, have these tragic lives necessarily. There there have always been people throughout history that were queer and lived their lives and had partners and families and lived in communities and that also did happen in rural communities, which is where Jax is from. Um, so I kind of wanted to create this story where Yes, there are problems in their lives. They have issues in their relationship, but they're not going to stem from outward sources, basically, is what I wanted to do. Because there are examples of people who lived their lives authentically in the past and also in rural spaces. And they didn't, they didn't have tragic lives. And I kind of wanted to tell a story that ignored homophobia and racism and have the conflicts come from some other place other than that. Just just to to do something a little different than I think a lot of people are used to seeing from stories like that, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. I mean, Kat, while I'm reading this, um, I felt, because we, we have, all of us readers are constantly connecting with or we're either seeing characters as as windows or mirrors as dr redeen sims bishop would put it but we're we're constantly seeing hey that character's a little bit like me or hey that character's a little bit like somebody else i know or wow this person isn't like anyone i know i'm gonna lean in and learn from them so when i'm reading that scene that i shared um and i'm and my own experiences are coming up about what it meant to think someone else of the same sex was was really cute and just wanting to be able to say something to that nature without I'm reading your book going like, Oh, I know what happens next because I feel like in my brain, I know what happens next. And the fact that you give the freedom for it, for that not to be it for us to just live in, in the closeness of this interaction. Um, and, and also not worry about, other interference or or that there perhaps wouldn't have been other interference i feel like it's really liberating the children's book podcast is sponsored by libro fm audiobooks so i know many of you have been listening for some time and you know that i am obsessed with audiobooks and the reason why that is is because one i can listen to them wherever i go and two because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids, and we've bathed them, and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night. That's when I can read, and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So, thankfully, we have audiobooks. 
You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. You run a great balance in this book of having having some pushback and having some space and I think that that's a hard road to walk and you do it well and I think that that's what attracted me to this story and to really uh deeply to the relationship that Snap and Lou share mm-hmm. thanks yeah Snap. yeah there's yeah I, I feel like a lot of the times there are these stories that get told about how especially the homophobia or or all these different phobias exist like especially hardcore in like lower income societies. And that hasn't always been the case and it's not always the case. And it, it seems like a disservice to the community to say something where it's like, well, there has to be conflicts arisen from this. Obviously there has to be, but there doesn't necessarily always have to be conflicts from that shown in the story. Well, and I wonder too, what sort of like homophobia is being enacted on the queer community when it's that, uh, the other folks really look for that. That straight folks really look for that conflict because, in some way, that that sort of speaks to the the compassion and and uh, pitying or woe for how difficult queer folks must have it. But no, oh, yeah. that... I, I believe it's called tragedy porn. <laughs> no, there's actually a term for it. I've, I swear, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. Because w- when you look at all the movies that have ever been, um, you know, up for an Oscar or something, and they have queer themes, it's always tragedy porn. And generally, like a lot of those, a lot of those stories historically have been for straight people about how tragic gay people are. Like Philadelphia is a good example. Oh but yeah. Okay. Back, back before we had any positive like representation or in the media or anything, we would have these stories about like the the most progressive we were like we got was, oh, look at this, look at this noble, noble man. Like he's gay, but he's going to die, but he's, but he is gay. And we're portraying that positively, but he is going to die. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's a uh, tragedy porn. I think is what it's called. <laughs> That's um, well, now I just gained a new set of language. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, um, yeah. It's sad, but it's a thing. And you know, I've got, um, I'm glad the publishing is moving forward. I know it takes a lot of other, I mean, when you're talking about, I'm going to use your term, when you're talking about tragedy porn, then that also means that we need a certain amount of awareness in in publishing that editors or, no, it would be editors that are like buying the manuscript, that um, those folks that are making an offer, the publishers making an offer on a manuscript aren't just looking to tell that kind of a story, but are thinking outside of their experience, I assume, 
outside of their experience. It doesn't always have to be outside of their experience, I suppose. But um, in order to, to, to make that space. So I wonder, uh, there's so many places to go, Kat. There's so many places to go. I wonder where this, where the, where the, the first thread of this idea started. Did you, did Snapdragon walk into your life? Did you know about her or was it, was it with Jax or was it the entire story? Where, where did this start for you? I, I remember really specifically, I can tell you exactly how it started because I was, um, so I've lived in Chicago the last, since, since college, last few years. And, and I, I grew up in the country. So when I went back home, uh, my mom would pick me up from the train station and drive me home. And I would always see the road kill on the side of the road. And it was kind of jarring because even though I grew up with that, you spend a lot of time in the city, you kind of get, you forget about it and you go back and you see all the corpses on the side of the road of animals. And it always, it just bothers me. You know, uh, I pretty much say it in the book where it, it bothers me because it's just, it's, it's not part of the, the natural, you know, food chain or anything like that. It's just some critter that gets smushed and sometimes people don't even notice. And then even the, the animals, the, the, the scavengers will go in and they'll get killed you know, because it's just a, because it's just some side of the road where it's dangerous. And so I was just sitting in the car and thinking about some story that would make me feel better about it. And I thought about some, some witch in the woods going along the side of the road. And it was also inspired by folks that eat roadkill on the side of the road. They'll go collect roadkill and, uh, you know, make, make squirrel pie. Things like that, <laughs> things that people in the country might be a little bit more familiar with. Sure. Um, people like that, and just kind of imagining someone who is 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 quiet and and kind of tending to these little junk animals <laughs> in these quiet little moments and and doing something about it. And I kind of I kind of invented Jackson Snap on that car ride and uh, wrote little notes about it in my sketchbook because I thought it would be a, a cool short story and then I ended up making it a little bit longer. You started with a relationship between a child and someone her grandmother's age, a generation removed. That is so cool to start on a relationship that that has so many years between it. I feel like that it also speaks to the the knowledge and the stories and the insight that that all of us can gain from from spending time with people that have have lived a little more life than we have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I I we're going to have to talk off recording about where your book goes because I find that I can't talk about Jacks beyond how nurturing she is not only for these these dead animals that she finds on the road, but also for a kid that potentially thinks that she's a witch and thinks an awful lot of bad things about her. Um, and that she just lets snap in and that (laughs) snap has an awful lot of enthusiasm for being let in and being brought into a world that fascinates her. But I, I think, 
it's easy to tell, like right off the bat, for Jax that Snap is similar to her in a lot of ways. <laughs> they're both um, gender non-conforming, and they're they're the weird kids, which I definitely that's like the the part of myself that I definitely put in the book. Where I I don't know if you ever had a science class where you dissected owl poop. Oh yeah. Oh no, wait, owl, like owl pellets. We did like the barf. That's what we did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that where you're like picking out these little bones or oh, yeah. like i said i grew up in the country and you'd go walking and you'd find animal bones and you'd be curious about it and you'd make these little collections and all these little things that might be weird out of context or something or it's up to other kids and snap is like that jacks is like that and i think jacks recognize that recognizes that in her kind of kind of early on just with with how snapbacks so i uh am not going to assume anything about um your identity or how much um you are similar or you put yourself into this book um to snap or not but i wonder thinking of your readers um how you've given thought to how they may connect with snap and with jacks and um gender nonconformity with lou expressing themselves um later as lulu finding this wonderful dress and um mm-hmm. stepping out into what i think was one of my um one of the scenes early on that made me just sort of <laughs> rush through your entire book um in one read and then i was like well i need to slow down <laughs> and read this book again um, but, but I wonder for these, for these scenes where you're, you're showing, um, where you're showing what I feel like are intimate and, and just sincere moments of, of exploration with a friend that you can trust of like, yeah, I want to try on this dress or I never like wearing things like this anyway, or I want to try out this name or I want to try out being in public and showing my true self this way. I just, I I wonder um, if you've thought about how that will reach readers and how you will have this. I'm like smiling too much, how you will have this great opportunity to, well, I'm going to say it this way, Kat, how you'll have the opportunity to be an individual in front of children if at a school visit or a book festival, perhaps that would be the person that I would have wanted to see as a kid to be able to see myself in a person that's making a thing that I'm reading and liking and seeing myself (laughs) in. And here's this person standing in front of me. I wonder that like the projection quality or something like that. I don't even know how the words to say for it, but I wonder if you've thought about your readers and the space you're providing for them in that way. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say that working on Lumberjanes has um, been a really nice window into certain certain folks, not just not just kids, but just people uh, that they'll I'll meet at conventions in general. Um, oftentimes, it's queer folks, and just the it, it's it's kind of like it happens in the book. Um, like you can tell Lou Lulu has had like she she keeps this little baggie on her roof of 
uh, like teen teen girl magazines and kind of like feminine toys. Yeah. Um, so that she she can hide them from her brothers or whatever because they still think of her as as their little brother, and so she she's already thinking about this kind of this kind of stuff, but she's keeping it kind of hidden, kind of private. And then as, she, as soon as she meets Snap, who uh, is gender nonconforming as well, but in the in the other direction, she's a, she's a tomboy, which is. Well, I, I will say it's generally it's more socially acceptable for a girl to be gender nonconforming than a boy. Oh yeah, just by the fact that we have um, the phrase "tomboy" and nothing at all yeah. the other direction. We only have like, very very mean names for, say, for little boys. Very too. very derogatory names. That's right. Yep. Exactly. So, just just meeting another person who is similar to them immediately it gave her this sense of just like okay. I'm not the only one. She felt comfortable around Snap, and a lot of a lot of Lulu's journey was kind of off panel because I didn't want to. And since I am not a trans person, I did not want to write about the trans experience that she was having. But I wanted to show her feeling comfortable because she has a friend who's like her. And I would hope that folks that read the book, especially kids don't always have those examples in real life but maybe through stories that they read yeah. they could they could realize that there are other people like them uh that sort of thing yeah um, i i it, as a school librarian <laughs> is a way i start many sentences <laughs> as a school librarian it um it matters a great deal to me in a way that I find myself indebted to bookmakers such as yourself that that you are providing you're providing a bridge for these children not only to other experiences and and their identity and their culture and many many different things but you also provide a bridge between them and their classmates or them and their teachers, their school librarians. And um, to know that we are entering into a time, I hope, that we are getting queer representation in children's literature in the way that you, Kat, are making space for. And that folks like Folks like Tilly Walden are making space for, and folks like Alex Gino are making space for, and many, 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 many others. Um, yeah. it, oh, word. oh, Lord, like, the there, there are so many amazing examples. See, I knew that if I started naming, that I would get caught in that thing of like, now I'm in the area of I'm gonna start missing people, and but I just kind of want to sit here and be like, I remember, I forgot to mention, but I know, but. There, yeah, but these we, are people. There are, there are so many examples these days, which has been really nice. And they're writing exceptional books, exceptional books that that are a way in and are also a way to affirm. And so mm-hmm. I I don't quite have the words on my tongue right now, but being a person that that works directly with children who come up to me and know how deeply I love comics in particular. And they will ask me, 
for books, well, they ask it in a really lovely coded way because I do have a child in particular whom I adore that will ask me, do I have books like the Prince and the Dre- the Prince and the Dressmaker? Do I have books like New Kid? Do I have books like things that I'm like, I know what you're trying to say and you don't mm-hmm. need to say it, but I get it because I'm a reader like you. And that's to be able to share that over a book that you cat made is something that I don't know how to thank you for because it, it, it goes beyond words that you're helping to, to, to give us a common language and a, and a, and a bond and, and a way to say, I see you. And I know that you see me because we're in this love of this book together. Mm-hmm. I'm not super yeah. articulate oh. tonight. Can you tell it's been a long no. day? But no, no, I love, I love librarians for that reason because <laughs> I, I meet I meet so many librarians at conventions and things, and I get messages from librarians all the time, and I just love I just love librarians who care about kids because I I was a kid who had, was like uh, in middle school and high school I was friends with the school librarian like I was that kind of kid sort of like hung out during lunch. And so it's a, it's an important uh, an important you know portal to stories that are going to be relevant to you. Having a, a librarian that's going to like think about it and 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 think about you and what books you would uh, you'd appreciate. So I appreciate librarians. Kat, thanks for making a book that that has just as much space and. Um things to, to, to hold close to your chest for an adult reading the book, uh, specifically a 39 year old podcasting librarian adult, um, as well as the eight and nine year olds that I've had a chance to share my arc with. And, um, and, um, for all of those readers that you'll connect with in the future, we didn't share a ton about the story, itself that's between the covers of Snapdragon, but it is one that I think I think knowing your heart and your voice here as shown on on this conversation, but also knowing that by reading this book, folks are going to get to know you and your heart by getting to know characters that are so fully realized that I feel like um, I'm going to have some kids start causing as as Snap and as Lulu and as Jack's God, I would love to just have a whole little group that I can take photos of you. But um, the the fact that you take time to show people, to really show fully fully realized uh, people in your books is something special. So um, before I ask you my closing question, I wonder if there's something that you wanted to share about Snapdragon about this book about making it or something that that we didn't talk about that you feel is really important to share to folks like kids and librarians and teachers that are going to listen to this and going to consider your book mm. um. oh, yeah. hmm. I don't know I, I, I feel like I kind of made the book with kids like I was in mind, which is to say kind of just like the weird kids, the kids with like uh, kind of like weird hobbies or something and how you shouldn't (laughs) 
But it's also, but I, it'll, it would also go into just kind of general advice for if I was going to talk to kids, just like, don't, don't, um, don't give up your interests or your hobbies because they're not the popular ones. I like, there are, yeah. <laughs> there is kind of the, there are interests that you have that might not be super super popular or super interesting but they'll grow into something that is very important to yourself whether it be it could become a career or it could just become it could just stay a hobby and not like stick with those things because those are the things that will make you interesting <laughs> they'll keep you interested in the world and they'll they'll make you a more interesting person if you if you pursue the things that you're passionate about cat you were a weird kid i was a super nerdy kid and it at at, at that age for me it felt in some ways it like it really bonded me to a, a small group of friends but it also felt a bit social isolating socially isolating was that similar for you as a child i it, it's kind of hard to say because i moved around so much as a kid i never lived anywhere growing up longer than four years uh oh. the shortest amount of time being like seven months we we moved around a lot so i kind of had this chance to uh meet a lot of different people and kind of be different people i i kind of had this ability to kind of the kind of chameleon where i would just kind of like find a group of people that i wanted to hang out with and uh and, and try to be be like them it was kind of a weird a weird uh because in each state that i lived in i was kind of i feel like i was a different person but i was also just growing up i was figuring myself out and these different places gave me different opportunities to figure myself out and uh, a lot of Snapdragon probably came from the time that I lived in Connecticut because we lived in the woods and the, uh, the area, there was this big section of just beyond our backyard, which was several acres into the woods that where the state collected all the roadkill from the side of the road and they would drop it. No way. <laughs> spot, yeah. Oh my word. That's amazing. And our dog found it. It was this massive pile of mostly deer, <laughs> squished deer carcasses that um, we found in our backyard. And it felt like the beginning or the middle of a Stephen King novel. It felt very <laughs> creepy. But I was so interested in everything that was going on and the woods in general and just like spending as much time in the woods as I possibly could. So I feel like a lot of a lot of the inspiration I got from Snapdragon also stemmed from just like that. That's so cool. I was going to connect with for, for how we felt like the weird kids or the nerdy kids or the whatever, then for all that I'm watching the children that I work with and I'm working with like ages four to 10, I feel like I just don't see, maybe it's cause I'm working with young kids. I don't know, but I just don't see that sort of like social pressure of <laughs> the thing you're doing is weird maybe because all these kids are online and they see that like 
There's nothing that you think is weird that a million other people aren't already doing online and having YouTube channels about or making, you it know. It's true. Yeah. I grew up without the internet, so I don't yeah. even know what kids are going through these days. It's something, it's something not that I need. Although I did, I, I ended up kind of making Snapdragon almost a period piece because I kind of set it in the early aughts when kids didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know how kids live with cell phones. Yeah, I hear it. I, I... I'm glad that that children have access to other experiences more easily and also that books are here to do that as well. Um I think it's a, a it's a it's a good time and you you make awesome comics and so I'm glad that when they're going looking for books that yours are also among among the ones that they grab and I guess because it's comics they don't just grab and read they read like 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's nice i hope so <laughs> yeah yeah i um i'll have to have my kids <laughs> message you a bit on um on on their their maybe i'll get some kids to like cause <laughs> before the end of the school year and just be like let's send cat some fun mail but before that why don't i why don't i be more formal and and ask you that that question that we were sort of talking around earlier um thanks first for coming on Kat thanks for chatting with me and thanks for sharing your book with me well thank you for reading it I read it a couple times because I read it too fast and I earmarked or dog-eared many pages this is clearly my copy (laughs) but um (laughs) uh yeah I I love it and I wish you and snap many many future readers so I'll ask Uh, my question this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Mm. I just want to say, um, keep, uh, keep drawing or keep writing or keep, keep playing music. It doesn't need to art. Art in your life doesn't necessarily need to be your career, but if it brings you something, if it brings you joy, it's something that you should keep in your life. Even if it's if even if it's just a hobby, if you keep if you keep painting, even if your paintings don't win awards or anything, just keep painting because if it brings you joy, you should keep it in your life. Um, because a lot of people abandon the arts when they get older because they don't think it has value, but I think it has very great significant value to your life just on a personal level so keep keep making art the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me matthew winner in my library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast our theme music is by poddington bear care of the free music archive All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.
We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.